live long and prosper. I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Winter is coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, old Kermit. Frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 176 of A Play on Nerds. I'm Jarman. I'm Steve. That's right, and we're bringing you a fantastic episode full of toys and wonder, because in honor of the release of the movie Barbie, we're going to, of course, review another classic toy-related movie. And Where also- a toy comes to life. <laughs> yes. And it's magical. And it also and honors our controversy. rule of three uh, segment that we usually do, because we're doing the third movie in the Demonic Toys franchise, which is Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. Which is a Puppet Master film. Also a Puppet Master film. But it is the film. third entry in <laughs> the Demonic Toys franchise. That's right. Wow. we It was just a deep pull, and we understand if no one can watch this movie to corroborate our review. So. It's on Amazon. It's, it's for free on Amazon, was it? I tried to download it. I wish I would have watched it on Amazon. It was free with ads. Oh, with ads? So I watched a few ads, and I got to watch this terrible movie in exchange. <laughs> you win, Amazon. Well, now, listeners, you have no excuse. You have to watch this terrible movie, because we did. Right. But first, Steve, what have you been up to since our last talk? Oh, man. I had a weekend... Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> Saturday we got up, uh, it says it was Dilly's birthday this weekend. Oh, that's right. Saturday we, we got up and we went to a diner. Nice. And he got, what did he get? Pancakes or something? What'd he get? Oh, he had two biscuits. <laughs> two biscuits. Yeah. He just had two biscuits. They were really good too. Mm. Like we got very lucky. This place had some good food and then we did a bunch of errands. We came back and we had to clean up the house because the next day we had a party. For Dilly, very nice with all the family here or a bunch of family here and we probably had 10 or 12 people about half my family's uh coincidentally this is a weekend for their beach trip mm. and so like half of the family is out of town oh <laughs> so gosh. it's like uh but it's his birthday so we're doing it how old is um, he turning three three all right um see he's a big three-year-old he's now. out of the terrible twos yeah, but everybody, anybody who says the terrible twos thing doesn't have kids because <laughs> it gets worse. It's true. <laughs> three, like th- three is where it just escalates dramatically. <laughs> I see. Because here's the dangerous thing. They're div- they suddenly start picking up all these motor skills that allow them to open that door, to unlock that latch. Get in more trouble. To finally get into that place they wanted to get to. They start gaining the motor skills to make it happen, and boy, does it become a nightmare. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that's fun. I have that to look yeah, forward to. That's right. Uh, but what, what about you? Oh, just final details of my wedding coming up on July 15th. So by the time this episode comes out, it might have already happened. Because uh, right now I it's, will be there. He will be here, and it's two weeks out from this recording. Uh, so right now this one comes out. So when we're reporting right now, comes out the 21st. So, yeah, you'll be married, I'll be married already <laughs> for a couple days. That's so funny. Um, but it's just yeah, based- there's my flight on the same calendar week. That's so funny. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just been the crazy last minute planning uh, the getting the final totals for the ridiculous amount of money it costs because we finally have the number down to 96 people. So there's 96 people coming to the wedding confirmed. 
out of 150 that were invited. So that's pretty good. <laughs> Apparently that's pretty average uh, for most weddings. Um, well, what our cut, what my cousin just said is like in the days directly preceding their head count went down. Ooh, like a couple days beforehand. Yeah. Was it a Dramatic. COVID wedding they, though? They, they said, they said people just keep dropping off. Was it a COVID time wedding or was it the same? Just regular. What? My cousins. Mm-hmm. It was just like two weeks ago. Oh, two weeks ago. That one. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, maybe that to look forward to who knows, but that's yeah. like, that's like already too late for reducing the count for the caterer and stuff. So it won't make a difference to us. We'll have the extra food already. So I don't know. She actually seemed pretty, um, I don't know. Maybe they had a special deal or something, but she seemed pretty stoked. Cause she was like, yeah, that's $30 less. Oh, maybe, maybe our caterer will be nice about that. Who knows? But you know, depends on when you have to buy the food, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. There's going to be good times to be had. Steven's going to be in. We'll be in person. Maybe we can record a little something while you're here. Just a little, little, uh, in person half episode or something. <laughs> yeah, I'll like kick you in the shin. Oh, cry. <laughs> Mine is emotional pain. <laughs> and then I have a little for the in town people that I have here, like my buddies and my D and D groups and stuff. We're doing a little bachelor party game night this Saturday. Uh, and my friend Whitney, nice. who Steve and I went to high school and, and middle school with, she's actually planning it, and she hasn't told me what's going on, but she's picking me up in a car at two p.m or 1 p.m. on Saturday and taking me to some location where we're going to have play games and stuff. So I don't know what's going on, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. Have fun. Be safe. I will. (laughs) It's a good time, but you better, you better be there to party with me when I get there. Oh, I will. Well, the second bachelor party, when you get here, you can't already be debilitated with booze when I, when I show up. (laughs) Exactly. But that takes us to some nerdy news. It's time for Nerdy News. All right, this week, my cheeky name for my cheeky story is Oh, you boo, you goo Oh, who's you boo? Oh, look at you. Oh, look at you. Oh, this is about Adam Sandler? Yes. Uh, human parents around the world speak gibberish nonsense to small babies in all sorts of languages and places. Uh, but it turns out we're not the only ones. Mm. Scientists with Florida's Sarasota Dolphin Research Program have been studying signature whistles of dolphins uh, in the area for they've got like 50 years of, of recordings. Oh, wow. So they have this crazy huge base. They've watched pods come and go. They've watched you know calves turn into adults have kids and die like they have these huge spans um decades of these recordings they compared recordings of the same track dolphins from the time they were young during before they had kids when they had a kid and then after or when they were without a child Mm -hmm. and a hundred percent of the time when in the presence of their young they communicate in like a higher, more whistly tone. A hundred percent of the time. A hundred percent of the cases they found when within range of their little one, they, they talk and talk and they already squeak. So even higher. Wow. Well, they say dolphins are smart as humans or close. <laughs> That's right. Um, so yeah, we are not the only ones. And that has been, Oh, good. You Oh, look at you. Oh, bookable. Oh, how do you spell that for transcription? I'm just wondering. Uh, uh just, just write, just write exclamation <laughs> points until the end. <laughs> <All> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> well, that brings us to our main segment, uh, Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. Wonderful film. The third entry in the Demonic Toys mega franchise. <laughs> and a Christmas film. Uh, yeah, and it's one of the many films that kind of, and Puppet Master is another one, that came as a result of the craze from the popularity of Child's Play. Mm-hmm. These sprang from that, and there's so many of these little weird things, and we get to watch two of them collide because neither of them was popular enough to pull another movie on its own. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so it opens on a Christmas tree, and there's a commercial featuring two kids receiving some super creepy <laughs> Christmas bow toys Ugh. that they're really excited about, but they look disgusting. Yes, they do. Uh, we then meet Robert Toulon, played by Corey Feldman, of all people, an apparent important character from one of the prior movies, what his ancestor was. Mm. Uh, this is just a terrible casting <laughs> choice for Corey Feldman. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Yes. Um, and it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, okay. Well, I'll talk about that later. Uh, I need to move that into my other note <laughs> so I don't talk about it too soon. Uh, okay. They're working on some sort of him and his daughter are working on some sort of formula that involves their blood, but someone's watching them through a bug drone thing. We cut to like a corporate HQ somewhere and a scary CEO lady. Uh, and they've been watching Toulon and his daughter and they inject a toy with a syringe and uh, just as they, like, have given up and walked away, the cowboy puppet that they injected starts moving. And he yeah. immediately tries to shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> the other toys, uh, remaining toys, wake up, uh, and the CEO lady wants them tonight for Christmas. Um, a random kind of henchman lawyer guy arranges it, and some black op, black op guys show up. Uh, they go and try to get the puppets, but they the puppets defend themselves. A fire breaks out. The puppets all burn terribly. Uh, Toulon meets a police officer lady uh, who just randomly shows up, and they like flirt, and it feels really inappropriate. And forced. <laughs> and really forced. Um, the evil CEO lady um, moves forward anyway, even without the, the puppets, uh, and makes a human sacrifice and a deal with Bale. The demon. While uh, revealing that the toys in her commercials are actually demon-possessed toys, and they plan to possess all the toys with demons. Um, the toy maker finally figures out uh, that they were there after his puppets. Oh, it was so bad. Uh, <laughs> and they discover the bug, and they use a 2004 internet browser somehow <laughs> to trace a proprietary serial number. On the bug. On the bug. And figure out it's the evil CEO lady. Uh, but their computer blows up from hacking. <laughs> Abandon the house and head to grandma's house and Imagine. set up uh, to get the puppets back up and running. Robert uh, goes to Sharp Toys on his own uh, to find the lady cop there. Oh, no, she's receiving a donation for a cop's charity. Robert jumps out and tries to warn them, but he looks like a crazy man. He gets tackled by Lady Cop. Uh, he tries to explain, but he just sounds crazy. And then he acts crazy anyway, additionally. So, yeah, it's not great. It's 12 hours before Christmas morning. <laughs> the titles. Yeah. Uh, Robert, Robert continues his experiments. Lady Cop gives the toys that evil CEO lady gave her to her niece and nephew. Uh, Lady Cop then goes to see Robert. 
searches his toy shop and is assaulted by demonic toys and she narrowly escapes. <laughs> uh, Robert gets the puppets back up and running and they've got like weapon upgrades. It's ridiculous. Lasers and such. Lasers and a big mall made of metal. Uh, Lady Cop finds Robert who introduces her to the puppets, but the demonic baby doll hitched her ride and tells the CEO lady their location. Uh, she shows up with henchmen, grabs the puppets and Robert and his daughter. Uh, his daughter is set up to be sacrificed. She's going to drain all of her blood, which she needs or something. Um, <laughs> and they call on the puppets who attempt to break free from their cage. Laser cowboy shoots through the metal cage. But CEO lawyer friend shows up with Jack in the box who shrieks so hard that the lawyer's eyes blow out of his head. They spent their whole budget on that. <laughs> they explode. No, it was Corey Feldman one. And then that effect. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the puppets come to the defense of their master and they collectively restrain the Jack in the box puppets and demonic toys go head to head. Lady cop tries to save the girl, uh, the daughter, the puppets destroy the toys. They stop the machine. Bale's deal is unfulfilled and the demon shows up and he takes scary CEO lady to hell. Robert rescues his daughter and lady cop invites them to Christmas dinner and they sing a Christmas song. And that's, and that's what that was. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> oh my God. Um, well, some things I liked about the movie, because we just want to say positive things first. Um, I think it was delightfully cheesy and it doesn't seem to be taking itself too seriously. Like it, so you can see where they're trying hard at some point, but they were, they knew what it was at a certain point. So I appreciate that. Um, the, another thing is the, the, the killer dolls and puppets were hokey, but I just like they're really, they really tried really hard to make those dolls look good. They weren't high quality, but you can tell they tried and I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that. And some some effects were okay. Yeah. And if anything, it was when they leaned into like the the practical kind of stuff. You know, the, a lot of the doll baby's movement was implied, right, or half shown, so they didn't have to actually make it do anything. With camera effects or whatever. Camera effects or them dropping it and picking up the cut at the right moment. You know, those sort of things. Throwing it and someone's face. It, <laughs> right, right. But that's like when it kind of came together. It was all the stuff in between when they had to make it move on its own. That was real bad. There was some like kind of early CGI stuff going on there or something. It was really weird and looked real. There's some stop motion with the puppets, I think, perhaps. It's all mixed together into a kind of a mess. But they tried. And they I, sure did. The composer, I feel, really worked his ass off on. It was still terrible MIDI music and like Christmas mashup kind of things. And it was like a Christmas sounding mess. But you could really tell he was trying. He was really giving it his all, you know, but kind of overdoing it. <laughs> that was those were, I guess, the things I liked about it. Um. So. So it's some things I like. I agree. It, it had better music than it deserved. Yes. I think like, what was that? Beastmaster that was that way? Oh, like yeah. Or no, it's Kroll. Kroll had the fantastic Kroll. music. Yeah, Kroll had this fantastic music that it did not deserve to have. <laughs> um, so I looked it up and it's this guy named Peter Bernstein who has been in the music side of motion pictures for like four decades oh, or wow. something like that. Um, and he has had some success as a composer, including both of the Ewok movies. Oh, wow. Most of 21 Jump Street. The TV show? Tales, yeah. 
Mm. Uh, Tales from the Crypt, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the TV show. Okay. But he's worked in the music department as an orchestrator, which is really where he's done most of his work on movies like Airplane, Ghostbusters, The Black Cauldron, Three Amigos, Wild Wild West, and recently Ghostbusters Afterlife. So he is a working musician in Hollywood. Like, he's got it going on. Yeah, 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 but that's so that's why the, the music in this movie felt like it had some integrity. Right, me. exactly. Even though it's just like a MIDI guy. budget, there was no actual yeah. orchestra. <laughs> um, and I, you know, and then there was the the demon effect, Bale. That was like a good practical effect. Yeah, he had good makeup and everything. Good makeup. The actor really pushed through it. Like acted through the makeup. Like I, I was like, where the hell did this great thing come from in the middle of this? Because <laughs> it was a sci-fi original movie. So uh, take that for what you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's talk about some stuff that's maybe not as good. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, so there's a terrible casting choice of Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. And here's why. <laughs> um, and I don't think it was his fault. It was like a weak producer somewhere so this role was clearly supposed to be older yeah they had to put gray in his hair and his daughter's 18 he's only 15 years older than her playing him like late 40s early 50s yeah he's not that old kind of timeline but Corey feldman is probably in his 30s here yeah and so he had to play it old and even that he kind of gave up on it's like play it old but yet you're still able to realistically flirt with this cop who's like in her 30s but the reality is is that they probably didn't mean to get him. They got him and it was like a big name to put in the movie. Right. And, but nobody adjusted the script. <laughs> yep. And so because of that, he ends up with this like teenage daughter that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, and so it's just, I don't think it was Corey Feldman's fault. He just shouldn't have been cast in this movie. And he put that gruff voice on the, oh, I'm a little older than I look. Uh, or a slight <laughs> script rewrite should have happened. I agree. One of those two things should have happened. But I bet you're working with an underage, because then that would have taken it to like a little kid. And I bet you working with a little kid becomes a lot more red tape, a lot more pain in the ass. And more problematic because of the whole virgin storyline and all that jazz. That is true. Now, mind <laughs> you, that also could have, that, that script rewrite could have taken some of that crude shit out. Um <laughs> So it, so it wasn't Corey Feldman's fault. He shouldn't have been cast in the first place. Um, now, mind you, since he was in the role, so I think I've talked about this before. It's one of my big acting bugaboos, and that's the actor's whisper. Oh, yeah. You've talked about that a few times. Yeah. <laughs> for people who are just tuning in, actor's whisper is done on stage all the time if you go see live theater. Um, it's when someone starts speaking intensely, and because they're speaking intensely, they start whispering for some reason. How dare you take my daughter? <laughs> That's right. And that was the best day I ever had with my uncle. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, what'd you do with your uncle? <laughs> Sorry. I never caught a fish that big again. Innuendo. Uh, so I hate the actor's whisper. I hate it because never once in real life do you talk like that. <laughs> It just doesn't happen. When you get intense, when you talk in real life, you put volume into your voice. You put body into your voice. You lower your voice. You raise your voice. You don't just go. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best damn sandwich I ever had. So he does it 
ad nauseum in this movie <laughs> to the point where there are times where it is repeatedly difficult to understand what he's saying. <laughs> It just turns into this like mushy low, like the whispery nonsense. It's getting the Gary Busey territory here. It really is. Oh, oh what a good day this is. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, and the other thing that I just thought this was so good these flashes on the screen as they were trying to drive the timeline. Right. But they kept saying twelve hours till Christmas morning, and I kept thinking Christmas morning where? <laughs> yeah, good point. Like, wh- why is this arbitrarily? Like, yes, it has to be the West Coast of America. How self centered are you, cultists? And they keep showing this the California flag <laughs> and the sharp building. Like, okay, I guess we're in California. Six hours until. <laughs> And it would show video. It's like six hours until Christmas and show video like a Hallmark Christmas tree. It's like made an iMovie or something. <laughs> so like we, oh, it took you out of the movie. But then at one point sure. they did like six hours until Christmas. And there was like one short scene. And then all of a sudden the next flash was three hours till Christmas. <laughs> so I was like, really? That's the only important thing that happened to that entire three hour chunk. All right. Cool. All moving right. on. Cool. Move the story. All right. <laughs> but that was just so good that countdown that i know someone wrote it to like drive the, like oh that way the audience will know feel that ticking clock but there's no sense of like urgency because it played this delightful music and it was just like oh okay well i guess that took us out of the movie now and we're not really feeling any tension anymore <laughs> well and the other thing is is that it was the, and the you know the, the the whole thing with the demon and what the exact deal was was kind of nebulous <laughs> because he needed all of the Toulon blood, but he only had the daughter. So I was like, but it wasn't, did they also need Corey Feldman? I don't understand. It's like he, like he wanted Corey Feldman dead and then sacrifice the daughter because he would use the blood to infuse the ritual to make all the demons go into all these dolls. But yeah. he then wanted to have no more blood left, so it can't be used again, I guess, for some reason. He didn't say why. See, all of this is a little... I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. It's a lot. That was all a little nebulous. Uh, and so because of that, it was hard to feel like mounting tension because I didn't know what the end zone was. Right. Like, I was like, I don't know when this is over. Well, that kind of was one of my, my points of what, what is bad about it is that because we don't know what the end point is or why we're at that end point... It ends really quickly and anticlimactically. Like suddenly, you missed the deadline. Okay, bye. <laughs> like they left and like no more fighting. They don't have to fight the the bad demon. Well, it's just something's gone. <laughs> they made an effort to draw it out that was so poorly done. It was incredible. So um, they the 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 puppets shut off the machine. She's still trapped inside, and um. And they're like, oh, thank God you saved me. She's like, no, I'll do it by hand. And she goes over and starts moving two things to do the machine <laughs> by hand. And it starts, she's like, oh, no, Dad, someone stop her. And then the demon shows up, but it didn't do it. But I was like, why was that there? <laughs> like, demon didn't do this, anything. It was this fake thing to, like, up the ante just this little half step. Well, that whole well, end sequence. I can still operate it by hand. The whole end sequence was like, it's like the only time we actually got most of the puppets versus the dolls. And we got a little bit of it in the room when they got out of the box with the Jack in the box, but then there was just a tiny little fight, but mostly it was just 
Corey Feldman rolling around the floor with a goon, like just like for, yeah. for ten minutes, like, and he he put he pushes the cop's gun down to charge the goon instead of just letting her shoot the guy. He like pushes her gun down and then runs for the goon and gets his ass kicked. I'm like, what was the point of that? What was the decision making there? I don't understand. Um, so it it real bad guys. <laughs> well, I'm not going to well, sugarcoat it. No, one of the bad things too is I, it makes more sense that we find out later that it was filmed in Bulgaria because uh, it had a limited budget. And that's why there was so much lip dubbing and looping that was all over the place and really out of place, especially with the the first secretary who gets sacrificed, the re- receptionist girl. Oh, yeah. And then the mayor as well, who was that little short part. They were completely dubbed over and it sounded awful. Um, and then for some reason, the cop lady, the sergeant, she was seemed like she was always looped. Like it was all done later, but her mouth was matching perfectly. I think she's American. But her, her, she would sound really out of place, and then all of a sudden, Corey Feldman sounded totally normal. It's like they didn't get any of her audio on set or some reason. So that was really mm. weird. Um, and also, the movie just didn't know what it was for. Like it, the whole movie plays like it's a family friendly movie with the dialogue and the father daughter cheesy moments. But then we have like you know bloodshed and eyes exploding and stuff. It's like it, who is this movie for? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> they they don't know who it's for. That is true. Oh, it was um, for us to watch. Very, well, and I, I don't know, but I assume this that was made for TV. Oh, it was made for sci-fi channel. Yeah, for sci-fi. And so because of that, there was clearly a limit on what they could do. Right. They had like two curse words. There was that one bit where the, the demon baby was, they implied that he was going after her boobs. Really, he was eating her. Yeah. Like, it was weird. <laughs> but they got like one of those in. Um, but otherwise it was pretty like safe for TV, quote unquote. Yeah. Like they, they, they could have made the script darker without making it cursing and, and full of sex, but like, it's just a, it's a very light hallmark script with sudden bouts of gory violence. So it's like, what is sudden, sudden assaults of violence? It was very weird. So yeah, not, uh, not the best, but you know, if you're going to see Barbie, see this first, it's the prequel. Yeah, um, yeah, it'll help you understand the context. Certainly. Yes. So a little bit of trivia for this movie. Uh, your point about Robert Toulon, played by Corey Feldman, being miscast. It was originally written for Fred Willard. And if you know Fred Willard. Oh, my God. Really? It would have been almost perfect and more silly and fun. And it would have been more age appropriate. Um, I love Fred Willard. and He's passed, unfortunately. But he's in all those best in show and waiting for Guffman. And um, he's he's amazing. So. That would have been fun. Um, according to Charles Band, the director of the film, this film is a non-canon film because it was not produced by him or his production company, Full Moon Pictures, uh, well, the director of the previous uh, Puppet Master films. It was instead a made-for-TV film that debuted on 2004 in the NBC Universal Sci-Fi Channel, like I mentioned, and filmed mm-hmm. in Bulgaria, and he had no part in it, and he was like, he's disowned this film since then. <laughs> like, his movies are much better, though. They're not. Um the reception's pretty funny. A uh, film critic Scott Weinberg told uh, wrote a negative review for Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, writing that it was not funny, it's not scary, and it's certainly not a worthwhile way, way to spend ninety minutes of the time you're given on this planet. <laughs> Which Fair. we already did. We've uh, done it. Dread Central, popular uh, kind of horror review uh, website, covered the film in a retrospective of the Puppet Master series writing that this made-for-TV movie isn't considered canon, but it's, it is a vast improvement over Puppet Master The Legacy. Uh, so they're mm. saying it's better than one of the other Puppet Master movies. That must be pretty bad. 
Um, and comicbook.com also re- uh, reviewed the movie saying it gleefully, self-consciously awful. It's amazing. <laughs> so comicbook.com loved it. Wow. Ah, uh, yep. So that 2004 is 2004 was a hell of a year. It was. That's when I went to college. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. So I have a little f- uh, fun bit game here for Steve here Ooh. called Petrifying Preposterous Plots. Oh, shit. All right. So these are all real plots of real horror movies. Um, and yeah. what I want you to do just to get a point, all you got to do is either give me the real name of the movie. If you happen to know it or guess it, or give me a fun name you think it should be called and you'll get a point. Oh, okay. Okay. Easy peasy. All right. All right. All right. Easy peasy. Limit squeeze. Let's do it. Kind of subjective, you know? All right. A vengeful killer soul is transferred into a gingerbread man cookie, which comes to life and embarks on a murderous spree. <laughs> Manhattan transfer. <laughs> Manhattan transfer. I'll give it to you. I don't know what that means, but it works. It's yeah. called the Ginger Dead Man, and it's from 2005. <laughs> All, right. All right. A group of college students must face off against an ancient demonic turkey that comes to life every Thanksgiving to wreak havoc. Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Gobble you up. Oh, that's, that's fair. I like it. It's, uh, it's actually thanks killing is uh, the correct answer, but you still got a point. All right. Yeah. Uh, a mysterious virus turns elementary school children into flesh eating zombies. Teachers and staff must band together to survive the outbreak, battling pint sized undead ter- horrors with humor and wit. <laughs> so that, that was Cooties. That is correct. With, with Elijah Wood. Oh, I did not see that movie. <laughs> um, I think it's Elijah Wood. Sounds and, right. And uh, a good additional name, Ankle Biters. Oh, I have heard of that one. Yeah. Similar premise? I know. I'm just making up a name. Oh, a good name for it. Yes, I like that too. That's perfect. Oh, okay. Is there an Ankle Biters movie? Oh, God. That would be great. I just infringe? <laughs> it probably, it's a common enough term. It's got to be. Are you looking it up? Yes. <laughs> Ankle Biters is a movie oh, from my 2002. God. Looks like a vampire film. That makes sense. All right. When an Indian burial ground is disturbed beneath a fast food chicken restaurant, an army of possessed chicken zombies wreak havoc, leaving a trail of blood, feathers, and absurdity in its wake. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. This exists. I can't believe this exists. I need to watch um... it. But tell me one more time. Tell me one more time. Sure. I just need to get it all. When an all. Indian burial ground is disturbed beneath a fast food chicken restaurant, an army of possessed chicken zombies wreak havoc, leaving a trail of blood, feathers, and absurdity in its wake. Kentucky Fried Killers. Oh, I gave you two dings for that one. But that's, yes. that's not I just, it. I, knew I had to hear it one more time. That's worth, some, that's worth the point. It's a poultry geist, Night of the Chicken <laughs> Dead. Of course it is. <laughs> That's from 2006, folks. Um, oh, my God. In a futuristic world, an experimental virus turns exotic dancers into ravenous zombies. As the undead take over the strip club, the remaining strippers battle for survival while continuing their seductive routines. <laughs> okay. Uh. I want to watch all these. Is it zombie strippers? Is that the actual name? That's the actual name. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that one I've no, that I okay, I've missed that one. Okay, now I got to think of the good one. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're very straightforward with their names. 
Uh, man, if I could work that one long enough, I could come come up with something real good. But I mean, you got the points. You don't have to for that one. Come back to it. <laughs> All right, let's come back to that one. All right. A woman undergoes breast enhancement surgery only to discover that her new breasts are possessed by a malevolent entity that compels her to kill. This horror comedy explores body image and the monstrous side of cosmetic procedures. <laughs> um, so you just call it cleavage? Oh, it's like a cleaver. I like it. There's a double entendre there. It's actually yeah. just called Killer Rack. Good. From 2015. All right. A group of college kids weekend getaway turns into a nightmare when they encounter zombie beavers leading to a battle for survival against these undead toothy critters. Zombie beavers. Okay. Um, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to you. Yes. The simple title of it was Zombievers. All one word. All right, this next one hailing from 1996. Uh, A bizarre German horror film where a detective investigates a series of attacks by sentient condoms with teeth that bite off unsuspecting men's genitals. (laughs) Uh, That would be ribbed for your pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) It's an ironic title. I get it. It's actually just called Killer Condom. But yeah, yours is better, I think. Uh, I think so. All right, two more. We got genetically mutated sheep terrorize a New Zealand farm, turning into bloodthirsty creatures that seek to devour humans. Um, I say that one again. Genetically mutated sheep terrorize a New Zealand okay. farm, turning into bloodthirsty creatures that seek so, to devour humans. So that one's black sheep. Oh, you are correct. That is the name of the movie. Uh, um. Uh. And I had never heard of it. Call it like wool over your eyes. Oh, that's even better. I love it. (laughs) All right. From 2019, a possessed recliner chair preys on unsuspecting victims using its cushioned arms and deadly springs to exact revenge. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my God. This exists, people. I'm just dead chair. <laughs> okay, I'm not giving you one for that one. No, no. don't get don't. <laughs> uh, oh, I thought the one for the zombie stripper was bad tippers. <laughs> hey, I like that. Okay. So this one was actually had a bad name already as well. It was it was called Killer Sofa, even though it's about a recliner chair. So that's, that's awful. a terrible name. Um, but that means you got nine out of ten. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> That was Perpetrifying Preposterous Plots. Ooh. And I guess that brings us to some Radical Recommends. <laughs> that was the wrong sound effect. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. Oh, man. So this is a... I'm going to recommend a movie that I've loved for a long time, but we just rewatched it, I don't know, over the weekend at some point. And it is, I haven't watched it in probably seven or eight years, I feel like. And I've had two kids since then. And that's the movie Parenthood. Mm. Uh, Steve Martin, Rick Moranis, uh, young Keanu Reeves in there, uh, Joaquin Phoenix wow. as a kid. Um, 
but it, it's just about a, a family and their different struggles with their different kids of various ages. Uh, and it watching it now, it like really, man, it is so identifiable. Means a lot more and, now. And, and I, yeah, and I loved it before, but now it's it's like different. I don't think I've ever seen it. You got if you've not seen Parenthood with Steve Martin and Mary Steen Virgins in there. Love her. Uh, it, it, it is so good. It is incredible good. Apparently, the TV show was very good, too, that they made later on. It has Dak Shepard in it and some other people. Yeah, well, that's the second time. They did a TV show shortly after the movie with uh, Ed Begley Jr., oh, yeah. if I remember correctly, as the father. And that one failed pretty hard. <laughs> but the new one, yes, I think did much better. <laughs> well, I'll have to check it out and watch it now before I have kids and then watch it like in five, ten years after oh, yeah. I have kids. That'd be great. So, idea. Yeah, definitely. Check out Parenthood, the movie, if you haven't. It is Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. The, the, the whole cast is just glorious, and it's well done, well acted. Yeah, I've only heard good things. I'll check it out. So some trailer reviews. All right, so this week we are <laughs> diving for some trailers. I couldn't find one for a while, but another one I came up, like that Ben Affleck one we did a few weeks ago. This mm-hmm. one called The Creator. Uh, looks another, like another huge, big-budget sci-fi movie um, with Denzel Washington's son. I'm forgetting his first name. I feel terrible. Um, but it's got a few of the familiar faces in it. Ken Watanabe is in it. Um, but it's just this huge, sweeping, original sci-fi story. It seems to be about um, uh, people. We made, we made AI, and then AI has kind of taken over in the future, and we're fighting against them. And in the trailer, you kind of find out that the head of the AI is this, or in control of it somehow is this child robot who the lead character gets sympathy for and kind of the the fight over do we take out this child because it has its own sentience or what do we do with that there's armies fighting against the robots and all this stuff going on so what what do you think about this trailer um i did like it felt it felt like a terminator movie right up to like the very middle of the trailer and then they reveal the kid yeah and in that regard i really liked it because i not say I was kind of rolling my eyes, but I was like, this looks really familiar. I agree. I was, this too. looks like territory that we've read that we've tread. Yeah. Um, and then he finds the kid and, and the trailer kind of changed and shifted what the focus of the movie would really be. And that kind of, that, that pulled me in. It's almost like, you, even, oh, even ahead. that is not, a, you know, that's not a new trope either. Like this movie is clearly not treading any new story territory. Yeah, like a little bit, but like I see how it's kind of almost like the just the t- Terminator story flipped in its head because he's like the Terminator for this robot as and then falls and the kid changes him, whereas the Terminator was the robot going to kill the kid. But then, you know, the second movie. Right. Kind but of, even then you have other sci fi things like I hate to reference ultraviolet oh, uh, where like, them. you know, assassin is sent to, to kill someone they don't know and they get there and oh, it's a kid. and They can't do it. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah uh, that's happened a lot. Or, uh, you know, um the third X-Men film where it's the kid who has the power to, to halt mutation. Oh yeah. The third movie. <laughs> and so they go kill him and they, but they go and they find it's the kid. Oh God. Like, you know, right. So they, there's going to be no new territory here, but it does look beautiful. It looks huge. Yeah. It looks really big in scale. I'm surprised I haven't heard anything about it before, but it exists. And it looks like a fully realized concept, which in sci-fi is hard to do. Yeah, it's not a sequel. It's not a retread. It's not a prequel or a redo. So that's that's new. That's good. Um, so what do you give this one, Steve? <laughs> so this one. So this one. All right. So Roll Julian has been asleep for hours. Uh-huh. It's dark. It's dark in his room. <laughs> He's laying there. 
and someone shuffles in the door. <laughs> he goes, Raul, Raul, wake up, wake up, Raul, I need your help. He's like, oh, God, Gary, what's happening? And he reaches over and he turns on the light in his eyes and Jesse sees Gary be sitting there and he's got a drill in the side of his neck. What? <laughs> he's like, oh my God, what are you doing, Gary? He's like, I was trying to put a hole in my neck like that kid in the trailer. <laughs> he's like, oh God, get out of my room. I just washed these carpets. He's like, I need your help. I can't get it off first. <laughs> I never get any sleep in this damn house. <laughs> You're, you're gonna strap with the carpets this time. Yeah, whatever. Just help me. Call the police. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I give this uh, one Raul Julia painstakingly planning because he's had his last straw with Gary Busey. So he has the plan. He's gonna come home. He knows his sleeping habits. He's gonna kill Gary Busey in his sleep. <laughs> Finally. So he sneaks in, shuffles into the cold, the cold dark room that Gary Busey sleeps in on a cot, and he walks over, and he sees a little child there with with a with like sunburnt skin and a cigarette like like on the pillow next to his mouth, and he smells like alcohol. He's like, "What is this child doing here?" The child goes, oh, "Gary, uh, uh, Ra, it's me. I took a pill, and now I'm a child." What are you doing? You're gonna kill me? He's like, no, no, I, I can't. You're, you're just a child now, but you're still Gary. I'm so conflicted. Does he then have to raise Gary? Busey? Yes, it's a re-raise Gary Busey from a child. How many times have I told you get your elbows off the table? I got elbows. Cool. I didn't we know are that. A house of distinguished, esteemed actors. Uh, may I go to the bathroom? Just go. Ah, thank you. I I didn't hear you wash. <laughs> no, I did it at the table right after you told me I could do it. Do your hands smell like soap? They smell do like you pee. Want me to smell your hands. Go wash your hands for real. But it smells good. Go wash your hands for real. All right. All right. Anyway, uh, yes, what a great trailer. That, that's uh, <laughs> what a great trailer. I like how our ratings our ratings are getting longer than our trailer reviews. <laughs> they are. But it's so much more worth it. I think. Oh my god! Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode one seventy six of A Play on Nerds. Uh, join us next time, where uh, an exciting new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, mm-hmm. Mutant Mayhem, is coming out, and to honor it. And to also do one of our regular bits, Rule of Three, just like the one you just listened to, we're going to be watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. Arguably the best of the three. <laughs> Arguably. <laughs> but not. We're going to argue about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but come on back and be our nerdy audience, and we'll keep on coming back and being your dirty co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?